Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. Good morning, church. I am going to make my way through the toys. And I'm going to ask if you are able and willing to stay standing as we read from God's Word. In Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 17, when God was leading God's people out of Israel, or I'm sorry, out of Egypt, where they had been enslaved for years, for centuries, this is what your Bible says happens. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert, or around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Heavenly Father, your plans are not our plans. God, give us eyes to see your plan. Forgive us of that stubbornness that says you should work our way. Speak today, Father, for your children are listening. It's in Christ's name we pray together. Amen. Please be seated. So at some point, everyone needs a fresh start. A change of direction, a spiritual turnaround, a new beginning. We've been calling it a comeback. But the more I've experienced God's comebacks in my life and in the lives of the people around me and the more stories I've heard from folks who have been through these kinds of comebacks, I've come to learn something very important, and that is that God's plans rarely mirror our plans. God's plans rarely mirror our plans. Remember when God led the people of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land? We just, we just read that, that God led them, but God did not take them the way that seemed normal, the shortest route. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. If they, they, they saw where they needed to go. They drew the map out. They said the shortest distance between two places is a straight line. Just take us down the straight line. We'll get there. But God does not take them that way. Here's what's amazing. Did you look at the reason why God led them right into the desert? Because maybe you've experienced something similar. 
You've identified a dilemma or a crisis in your own life. You, you, you've come to realize, I got something that needs to change. Oh, I can see how to get there. You've organized the plan. You've made the plan. You have, come, you have informed God, and now you wait for God's intervention. But then, not only does God not do what you suggested, God does the opposite. It's, it's hard to remember in these moments when God has the audacity to disobey us. <laughs> that God is still good and that God is still worthy of our praise. What if God knew that the straight line that you had planned for your life would actually be worse for you than another way? What if God knew that the plan you had derived would be laden with more temptations and trials than you could survive? If you look at verse 17, it says God knew this. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God knew the path they had marked out for themselves was going to be filled with trial after trial, with battle after battle, and they would not survive that. And so God took them another way that they had not planned to go. Now, here's what's amazing. If you read the end of verse 18, (laughs) if you look at the end of verse 18, the Israelites went out of Egypt ready for battle. In their mind, they knew the short path was going to go through an enemy's territory, and they said, I'm ready. And God didn't take them that way. God must know something they don't know. God took them another route, made another way for them, laid another plan for them, one that would bless them, one that would deliver them. So, and hear me now, for their best, God took them into the wilderness. To give them their best, God took them where they had not planned to go. Folks, if you came here today hoping to discover a prepackaged plan from God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because discovering a prepackaged plan from God is not what is on God's heart for you today. God is not interested in giving anyone a detailed blueprint or a detailed roadmap for their life. God gives us something much better than that. Love. And in that love, hear me out, God does have specific plans and purposes for each one of us. 
And the plans that God has for me are unique to me. They're not your plans. And the plan that God has for you is is not for me. It's for you. No one else. We're all made differently, called differently, gifted personally, loved immeasurably as the person that God made us to be, not as someone else. We look at someone else sometimes we say, boy, I wish I had their situation. God's leading you through what you're going through for a reason. You don't need to be them. You need to be you. The God who was perfect, who is perfect, who will be perfect, didn't make a mistake when God laid out your steps. God is with you. And though we're all made differently, we do have one thing in common, and it's very important. We have the ability to have a real relationship with God. Every single one of us is hardwired to have a real relationship with God. And God is far more interested in developing that relationship with you than in giving you a detailed blueprint for your life. In fact, I think that's actually why God doesn't do blueprints. That the moment we get a blueprint, we're off and running. All right, we've planned the work. I'm going to work the plan. I'll see you later. I'll take care of this. And if I run into any big challenges, if I run into any trials, I'll give you a call. But other than that, I think I got it from here. Thanks for laying this out. We'll talk to you later, maybe. Oh, thanks. It's not that God has no plans. Nor is it that plans don't matter. However, life is far less predictable than you think life is. And God is far less predictable than you think God is. You see, God wanted to grow the faith of the Israelites, but not in their own capability. God wanted to grow the faith of the Israelites in God's ability. And the desert was the best classroom for teaching them that God would always be enough for them. Mm. I should have put that on a slide. Like that should, that should have been alone up there. Because that right there was the message. That, that, that the desert was the best classroom for teaching them that God would always be enough for them. The desert is where they would learn that they can, not just that they have to rely on God, that's true, but the desert is where they could learn that they could always rely on God. That God provided every time they were in need. That they could rely on God to bring them through the impossible. To make possible what was not. So when your comeback arrives, here I can promise you this. It will look different from what you imagined. What if I told you that God does not want to give you 
all of the things that you dream about for your life. What if instead God wants to give you all of the thing that all the things that God dreams about for your life? Right, Rainer? God's not simply going to give you what your plan, your desires are for your life. God is going to give you what God's desire is for your life. Because what God desires is better for you. Can you get your mind around how good God is? Would you be willing to step into that place with God where you have to let go of your future as you imagine it? Are you willing to let go of the plans that you have for your life and trust God for the plans that God has made? If so, This is what your prayer will sound like. God, whatever you have in mind for me, that is what I want to be a part of. Whatever you're thinking about, God, that is what I desire. I don't want you to pray that if you're not ready to pray that. I want you to want to pray that. But, but, but when, when you come to grips with just how good God is and how for you God is, I want, I want those words in your mind. God, whatever you have in mind for me, that's what I want to be a part of. Whatever you're thinking about, God, that's what I desire. You say, okay, 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 pastor. I, 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 that sounds good. And if I'm not there, I want to be. I mean, after all, I showed up today, didn't I? (laughs) I said yes at least a little bit. Yeah. But, Pastor, what do I do in the meantime? While I'm waiting for said comeback that is leading me through the wilderness that I didn't want to be in in the first place. What, do, you have any, do you have anything there? Because that would be pretty useful right about now. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Psalm chapter 37. This is one of those texts that I don't know how many of you underline in your Bible or highlight in your Bible. I've never had a problem with it, um, so I'm just going to assume neither of you do either. Uh, If you're an underliner, if you're a highlighter, if you're a person who takes notes, Psalm 37, 3 through 5 is one of those places where um, it kind of ends up soaking through to the other side of the page. Listen, listen, Listen to the Word of God. Trust in the Lord. And do good. 
dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. That word enjoy safe pasture, uh, one of the ways I've seen it translated that I absolutely loved is I loved seeing it where it said, I I want you to um, enjoy faithfulness. Okay, I want, I want you to cultivate faithfulness. And, 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 and get this, it said, I want you to befriend faithfulness. Make faithfulness your friend. Okay? Take delight in the Lord. And the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in the Lord and He will do this. While we're waiting to know the outcome of a comeback before it happens, before the outcome is revealed, this passage offers great perspective. And so it provides us with four tasks that we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting. All right? They're right in order. The first one is to trust actively. It comes right from verse 37, but to trust actively. Trust the Lord and do good. Okay? There's two parts to that. There's trusting and there's active, right? You trust and you be active. Trust isn't inactive. More on that in a second. Okay, you trust the Lord actively. Rather than investing my energy trying to figure out the destination of my comeback and to map out the road in advance, which I got to be honest, can cause me great anxiety to try and figure all of that out before we even start. Rather than investing my energy, my time into figuring everything out that I can't possibly figure out, what if instead I let myself trust that however big the comeback will need to be, my God is bigger? That my God has this under control? That God's job is to create the comeback and my job is to trust the Lord and do the good that's in front of me to do? That I may not be sure 100% of where we're going, but I do know that I am actively trusting God and doing the next thing in front of me as well as I can. You see, trusting is not passive. Trusting is active. How do I show that I trust God? By doing the good that's in front of me to do. By not, not, not overly, not, not spending all of my time anxious about where are we going anyway, but instead to take care of the good that's in front of me to do right now. To be present and trust God right here by doing good. Okay? Once again, when we gain a perspective of God that is big enough to see God for who God truly is, We have less need for specifics. Zach, I I can say, I've seen God do it before. And I know because of that, that God will do it again. And I don't know what God will do. But I do know this, God loves me. God has chosen me. And God will lead me to the plans and the promises that are best for me. I believe. I trust. Have you ever thought about this? God called Abram 
in Genesis 12 and said, I want you to leave your home, your kindred, your family. I want you to leave everything you know and go to the place I'll show you. See that? Go, go to the land I'll show you. He didn't even give him, go to the land I have shown you. He said, leave everything you know, step out in faith, and I'll show you where we're going on the way. The whole plan that he got is right there. There's not a lot of specifics. This is still how God leads God's people that first get out of the boat and walk to me on the water, and then I'll explain to you what's happening. You don't get the explanation first. First we step forward in faith. Then we get to know the blessing that God has in mind for us. Second task. First one was trust actively. The second one is dwell faithfully. I want you to dwell in the land, and I want you to cultivate faithfulness. I want you to uh, enjoy the safe pasture I've provided you. When I finally say, God, I trust you, I'm able to be at peace with where God has placed me. And so, where I'm at becomes safe pasture. A good place for me to grow in faith. And you may be thinking, Adam, you don't understand the state of the land where I currently am. My marriage is dying. Our family is falling apart. My job is a living hell. And I can't get free from this addiction no matter how hard I try. Adam, you don't understand. Someone I love is sick and dying. Adam, you don't understand. I'm sick and dying. And I'm not even bringing up how messed up the world at large is. I'm just talking about my place. How can God possibly be orchestrating any grand and phenomenal plans in my life right now? If that's you today. And I know there's some burdens in this room. And I I, I know some of them. I don't know all of them. But if if, if that's where you are today. The first thing I want to tell you that I hope you know is that I love you. I love you and I'm not angry at you. And I'm not going to be defensive about that. That you're in a place that is hard to see out of. And while I may not know everything you're dealing with, I do know that life can be brutal and unrelenting. 
sometimes. That chaos rears its head and that unfairness in this world is not handed out fairly. (laughs) But that some people get an unfair share of hard times. I also believe that God works in ways that are seen and in ways that are unseen. And I know that God is leading you along a path of extraordinarily of extraordinary goodness. Whatever the scenery is, whatever's happening right now, whatever you're experiencing, I believe that God is leading you on a path of extraordinary goodness, goodness that resembles God's own character. And I, I know, here's what I know. I know that you cannot control the whole of your future. There is a lot of life that is beyond our control. You can't control it. There are things you can control. But as someone who's kind of been labeled a little bit of a control freak, I can tell you there's a lot of it that you can't. And it can make you very sorely disappointed. And you keep lying to yourself, I'll be happy once I get to control everything. (laughs) If that's where your mind is, prepare to be very upset. A lot of the time. You can't control the whole of your future. I have good news. God has not called you to do that. You can't do it. God didn't call you to do it. God has called you to be wherever you are in whatever mess it is and to cultivate faithfulness, to befriend faithfulness right there with whatever is in your hands at that moment. We don't get to simply check out because things are not the way we want them or because we're not sure what God wants us to do. Adam, I made such a mess of things that I don't know if it'd be better for me to do this or to do that. For me, I don't know if it'd be better for me to stay with my family or not. I don't even know if they want me anymore. You know anyone like that? I mean, I'm I'm talking about real life. Wherever you are, dwell faithfully in it. As if God were providing you a safe place to be. We don't get to check out simply because we're not sure what God would want us to do. God will use every moment of our lives for God's glory. When we are faithful with little, we can be trusted with more. My problem is so often I want to control all of it, and so I ignore the little in front of me. All right, let me speed up a little bit. Number three, delight expectantly. All right, 
(laughs) Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Notice that delighting in God comes first before the fulfillment of my heart's desires. Delighting in God comes first. So hold on, you're saying I got to worship before I even get what I want? You delight in the Lord first, then you receive the desires of your heart. Now here's the deal. You can't fake the first part just to get the second part. So you give yourself wholly to God in worship. You delight in the Lord. And this amazing thing happens where all of a sudden the thing that you desire most is no longer the things you used to desire. I I, I fall so in love with my God that it changes the desires of my heart. And all of a sudden I'm wanting what God wants me to have. Delight in the Lord expecting this. My desires matter. See, here's the first thing that I find out. Jesus trumps my desires. When my desires and Jesus come into conflict, Jesus wins. Jesus comes first. So, first thing I do is I delight in the Lord. Then, I find out that my desires actually matter. God will give me the desires of my heart. Jesus isn't going to cram me into some prepackaged, preformed mold. My desires matter. That Jesus is molding me for God-birthed purposes. The fourth task is in verse 5. He says, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he'll do this. God promises to act. God will do this if we trust. Commit yourself to the Lord and trust. And he will do this. Step by step, God will make your comeback happen. God will bring about whatever it is that God wants to see in our lives. Man, I wish there was a way to say that better. Like, know this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. What, What if God had just said, I will never leave you or forsake you? What if God had just said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age? So I can commit myself completely Because God is going to bring about whatever God wants to see in my life. God's plan will unfold according to God's will and God's ways. And it'll be like nothing I would ever have dreamed up myself. Kenny, I want to invite you to bring your team up. You see, a comeback may not start out the way you thought it would. And a comeback might not proceed the way you thought it would. And a comeback may not end where you thought it would. But if you wait upon the Lord in faith, God will show you how all of the pieces are being woven together for the greatest good. According to the deepest and most faithful love. 
Now, sometimes you may have to wait all the way until heaven. But you'll see it. But if you're waiting right now, let me encourage you by telling you that God is at work. God has not forgotten you. Bill, God has not forgotten you. Wanda, God has not forgotten you. Carol, God has not forgotten you. Martha, God has not forgotten you. Pam, God has not forgotten you. Dwayne, God has not forgotten you. Vincent, God has not forgotten you. Brad, God has not forgotten you. You are still a part part of God's great plan. And your comeback will mostly look a lot different than you imagined. And that's okay. Wait and believe because God is the God of the comeback. And God is creating a comeback especially for you. And you can't control the outcomes. But you can determine how you will order your steps. You can determine how you will order your steps around God's Word, in God's Word, and in God's world. You, have, you, you can determine how you order your steps and whether or not you will trust, whether or not you will commit yourself. And so I, I ask you, I beg you, I urge you, I invite you to breathe out all of the stress of having to control everything. Because you're not very good at it. Tell the truth. (laughs) I invite you to let God be God. God will amaze you with how faithful God is. You will be amazed with how loving God is. Will you trust Him today? If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism and said, I'm all in, I want you to do that today. Don't let anything stop you from saying, God, I trust you completely. The story that God is telling is unbelievably good. And it's true. Father, we trust you. Help us trust you more. We love you. Help us love you more. God, in your grace, you have called us. And I pray that there will be some who are, whose lives are touched and who will respond. And maybe it's to come and put on Christ in baptism. Maybe they need to stay right where they are and just have some time with you. 
Maybe they need to, to grab a friend nearby and say, I need you to pray with me right now. Maybe they need to find someone and apologize. God, maybe you have some relational healing to do in this place. God, you love us so much. May we love like you, even ourselves. God, you are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, amen.